With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch the baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottom and cans turn blue when your beer is cold and that way you know it's time to chill hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Hey everyone, we have a new special offer to tell you about with our friends at Symbol. If you go to Symbol.app, that's S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot A-P-P, and sign up as a first-time user with a $20 deposit into Symbol using the promo code PURPLE, you will receive six months free of premium Purple Insider written content at purpleinsider.substack.com. So go to Symbol.app. Deposit $20 if you're a first-time user, six months free of our premium written content at Purple Insider. If you are not familiar yet with Symbol, it is a new sports marketplace where you can trade shares of professional teams like stocks. So as we are fully into draft season, you're going to want to get in now with your team before their stock rises. Here's how it works. You buy stock of teams, and when your teams win, you earn cash payouts that are instantly deposited. So check it out, Symbol.app. Follow them on Twitter at Symbol Exchange, and check out the marketplace for sports. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider, presented by Scout Logistics and by Symbol, your stock market for sports. Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin here, following Mike Zimmer's first off-season press conference, or first press conference since the signings of everyone. What is up, Courtney? Not much. I am partially vaccinated. Oh, good for you. I have that to report. I drove all the way down to St. Peter, Minnesota, which... I have actually, this is going to sound make me sound like an idiot, but I've never been to Mankato before. Oh, right, because, yeah, like, because you came here after training camp. Yeah, like I got here in the midst of that 2017 preseason, that weird in-between time when they were back at Winter Park. So I'd never been down to Mankato, so I went to St. Peter yesterday, and then I went to Mankato because I was like, I got to see it. So cool, cool town. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it is. It is. Um, there's a, a part of me that misses that experience, like not necessarily the drive of mm-hmm. going down there, but I really like the getting away training camp kind of thing. It just feels like NFL music should be playing behind you the whole time. And it's a, it's a nice like stadium, nice little town. There's a couple of cool yeah. places to eat. So, and um, I think I did the first Adam Thielen is from Mankato. Did you know that feature? when I got here in 2016 uh, because he had his breakout game and then they had a bye week. So right after that, I drove down to Mankato and did the whole thing. So since then, that has been a very in vogue story, but I'm crediting myself. With yeah. The first. Hey, I'm um, all for it. Well, good for you. Good for you. Congratulations. And uh, let's just hope all of that continues to go well in America. So we can have fans back in the stands for all 17 games and we can go from there. Uh, so let me ask you a quick question before we get into all these things, because I've basically been taking a poll of everyone who comes on and how they feel about this. If the Vikings were to go 10 and seven, is that a good record? Like, no, I can't decide whether 10 and seven is a good record. 10 sounds good. And seven doesn't sound good. I mean, it's nine nine and seven plus one. So no, it's average. It's above average. Above average, it's a it's the last spot in the playoffs team, a team that probably, unless you're in as competitive a division as what was the AFC South last year, where you had teams like vying for, um, you know, the Colts or what was it? The Colts couldn't might not have gotten in. There was one one division where it was like there were a bunch of ten and six, nine and six teams. Maybe it's the AFC North, um, where it was like wow, like you may have a team that was ten and six or nine and seven that doesn't get in. Well, this rate is kind of like. Eh. unless you're in like a super competitive division, it feels very much like participation trophy. Here you go. Here's your spot in the postseason. Okay. So I guess 10 and seven is basically the new nine and seven. And we just, I believe that's correct. You get like half more credit, I guess. I I don't know. I'm, I'm writing a little article about it. And I just, I just can't figure out whether I think that it's good and how we evaluate everyone. And even like you said, they expanded the playoffs. So if you make the playoffs at 10 and seven, did you have a great season? I feel like we now have to set the bar at 11 for you did really well. Even 11 and six is sort of okay. And it's got to be now better than that to have a very good season. So everything is, everything is changing when it comes to how we view this. But um, on the matter of Mike Zimmer's press conference, I just want to say one thing before we dive into like the specific issues that Mike Zimmer is the happiest man uh, of all of his times of year right now when he is in these meetings grinding tape and trying to figure out schemes and everything it always at the combine when he's been doing that or whether it's now and he was talking to us today you could tell what kind of excitement and joy he has for trying to scheme up new stuff to sound uh, to, to stop offenses and it's like the one time of year where i think Mike, you seem so frustrated with us the rest of the year, but you love to tell us around now how you're trying to fix defenses. And I just thought it was interesting how excited he seemed to talk to us about new defensive players and new defensive things that they were doing. We got everything he wanted, right? Like, I mean, there wasn't a single position that they didn't address in free agency, at least at one point. I mean, and the fact is, he kind of alluded to the BPA strategy when he was talking about like offense and everything else that we, well, yeah, what we did in free agency is going to allow us to take the best player available at wherever we draft. Well, 
If you are someone who believes in offense, that should scare the absolute hell out of you because that means that you're probably taking a defensive end at 14 and that the offensive line is in trouble. Um, I, I also think, too, I mean, the pressure of the season's not on him yet. He's great when he's at the Combine. He loves talking to us about roster development and players that, you know, he was able to bring in because he saw certain traits. So, yeah, he was in a great in a great spot today to be able to talk about. Um, I wish we had a little bit more time with him to delve into – you know, Dalvin Tomlinson as a three technique defensive tackle because he did talk about him um, and, and and Michael Pierce to a degree about them and, you know, keeping the quarterback high and pushing the pocket, but neither of them have been known for doing that in their career. So I'm curious as to like what he's, what he sees as far as a, um, you know, the pass rushing traits that lead him to believe that Dalvin Tomlinson will be a good three technique. But other than that, I mean, like, he seemed pretty chipper. I mean, it seemed like there's a lot going on with the defense, obviously, um, that he's happy about. So um, tell me what in your life you act as giddy about as Mike Zimmer about Delvin Tomlinson. I mean, it's probably, probably long snappers, to be quite long honest. Sa- yeah. like, I mean, yeah, it's the obvious answer. It is the obvious answer. Gr- grinding long snapper tape is definitely the right answer for you. But it's just like find something in this world that makes you as happy as Mike Zimmer is talking about a run stuffing nose tackle who's now going to play three technique. It's just uh, he had the biggest smile on his face. And, I, you know, here. OK, so here's a question. Is he? Is he too giddy? Is he too giddy about this defense? Because Sam wrote for our site the other day about like comparing them to the 2017 defense and how far you'd have to go to be great with this defense. And there are still all sorts of questions at every level. And yet this, the big grin on Zimmer's face made me think like, I don't know, maybe they will have a great defense. Like I'm not feeling like at this moment they are in a position to say we'll have a great defense next year, but... Uh, he seemed really pumped. Well, I think it's also because he called the shots. It is obvious to me who hijacked free agency. His name's Mike Zimmer. Like, he went in, like, he was said he was down in the dumps last year at the end of the season when it's the worst defense he's ever he said he ever had. He was looking at the depth. They're signing guys that I've never even heard of that I still don't believe are real people. Um, clearly, he felt the same way, and he was embarrassed by it. So, like, the fact is, like, on paper, they are a much improved unit because of who he got, was able to get in free agency. Now, we're not going to be able to judge what this free agency period, like if, if Mike Zimmer taking over the reins of, of the control and, you know, getting all these defensive free agents in, and we won't be able to tell if they're actually good until we find out, can Dalvin Tomlinson be an effective pass rusher from the three-technique position? Can Xavier Woods look like he did in 2018 and 19 versus, like, giving up on plays in 2020 the way he did last year? He looked good at points last year. Will the secondary, will the cornerback group actually be able to take the next step? You won't be able to judge any of those moves of where you brought, brought those free agents in for quite some time. So, honestly, that's a lot of pressure off your head coach, at least for right now at least for the next couple of months. I mean, sure, and so when guys get in here, I think the tune will change uh, when you start seeing how people are going to fit. But for right now, for him, it's pat yourself on the back, mission accomplished. I addressed def- defense and free agency. I got what I wanted. Like, here was my Christmas list. Um, minus minus getting, you know, Carl Lawson or Trey Hendrickson, which was my probably, like, my N64 that I really wanted. Like, I still wound up with a, a big bag of loot that I'm happy about. Um, and maybe then that means, you know, in the draft, he's able to get 
that edge rusher that he that he's still seeking, which, you know, we didn't really have too much time with him today. That would have been my next question for him, you know, at the end about, well, is your pass rush where you need it to be? Because, sure, when he said today that he hadn't talked to Daniil Hunter, but that Hunter had been in touch with Andre Patterson and that, you know, at least everything kind of lined up just with, with what we've been told about, like, yeah, he expects to be part of the plans and everything else. It can't just be him, though. And Zimmer did mention Weatherly and DJ Wanham and other guys at the opposite defensive end spot. But that's probably not going to cut it. That's probably – it can't be all that you do. So there's still a wish list for Mike Zimmer, I think, that's out there. Um, but, you know, I to me, the way that I look at it is that you cannot think that you're done right now. And when I asked him about kind of the defensive spending versus all these other needs that you have on offense to kind of nearly ignore that offensive part, like our offense was great. We were six and whatever last year. Like, oh, that makes me cringe because you're expect. I mean, your offense got worse when Riley Reef left. Like, and you're now expecting, like when he talked about that, which we can get into, I'm getting into it right now. Um, when he was asked about Riley Reef at left tackle and who's going to replace him, and all this stuff, and he just starts naming off. Well, we got Rashad Hill. We got Ole Udo, who's played uh, 31 snaps at right tackle in that meaningless BS game against Chicago in 2019, and two snaps as a jumbo, as a tackle in a jumbo package last year. That's cool. Uh, last I checked, Brian O'Neill's your right tackle, and you want to move him and then create another opening, and Ezra Cleveland's your right guard, which Zimmer did say for right now he's a guard. So it's almost kind of like, yes, defense, defense, defense. Okay, a little bit of offense. Yeah, like whatever. Like, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Defense, 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 defense. That's how I, that's how I, the the press conference came across to me, which is fine if your defense can actually pan out to be as good as you think it is right now. Because we have no proof that it's going to be that good because we were saying the same damn thing last year with Yannick Ngakwe being like, oh man, this is a top 10 defense. Look at all the things. Not all the things worked out. So. Don't you love that he said we were sixth last year and none of us know what you were sixth in? They were fourth in yards, and they were 11 Uh points, and those would be the most basic statistics. I don't think that Zimmer uses DVOA. I mean, it's supposed (laughs) No, I don't think so either. I I definitely know he's not looking at PFF overall offense grades, which I think the Vikings did grade pretty well offensively. Uh, But I just thought it was so perfect for Zimmer to say, you know, we were good last year. We were sixth or something. It was like, I'm not sure what we really were in offense, and uh, that's someone else's problem. Like, it's someone else's problem. Like, if you ask them a defensive statistic like hey how how often did you guys play nickel package last year he'd probably know uh he likes the numbers i think with stuff like that he he might say like oh it was like 68 percent i asked you know but with anything offensively uh you know i don't know there's a there's a kubiak whose problem that is and but but this is this is what i like about this press conference and actually i'll tell you what i like about how they've handled the whole offseason is Zimmer has planted the flag and said, if I'm going down, I'm going down my way. So if it doesn't work. 1,000%. That is a story I I wrote for tomorrow. At least I did it the way that I wanted to do it. And I went out and I got an aging corner who's got a big name. And I got a fat guy for the middle to stuff the run because I want to take away the run. I got myself another damn corner for Mackenzie Alexander. I got another safety. Like, if you're going to do it, if you're going to go down, then I guess go down your way. There's only... And you know what's interesting, too, with Zimmer is when he talks about changing things on defense, which he does all the time, 
and you can see it when you watch on tape and all that, how roles change and assignments change and everything. He's always so uh, uh, interested in that. And he's always talking about, well, you need to adapt. Isn't that obvious that you need to adapt on defense and offenses have changed in the last four years. So we're doing this and we're doing that. But if you ask him about like, but what about the run game, Mike, on offense and how you still run on second and 10? He'll be like, yeah, duh. Of course you still run second. And 10. What are you guys talking about? It's just, it's just so interesting. It's like someone being extremely right-handed and then with their left hand, they just can't even like pick something up. That's Zimmer with offense and defense. And that's, that's what they've pushed all the chips to the middle of the table on is this defense. Let me ask you though. This question is if you hadn't seen last off season, let's say you had gone to Bosnia and you didn't have any <laughs> internet there. This is, this is for people who listen, uh, who watch Shit's Creek. They'll get the Bosnia. I was about to say, uh, so, the crow, the girl, the, yes, what is the it? crows the have eyes. Is? Yes. So you were, sh- <laughs> you were shooting the crows have eyes in Bosnia. All right. And so you came back, you didn't have proper internet there that you came back. You didn't see last off season. You just got here and looked at the roster. Would you think, oh, this will be a top 10 defense. Cause Mike Zimmer handpicked all these players. If I was looking at 2021's defense or last year's defense. So you didn't see it at all last year's defense. You yeah, know nothing okay. about it. You were in Bosnia. so you. I was saw... in Bosnia with Moira. Okay. Yes, yeah. Moira, no, yeah. I, I, I don't know if I'd say it's a top 10 defense. I mean, but then again, I'd be, I'd be judging Patrick Peterson off of 2019, right? Like, and I'd be judging uh, Dalvin Tomlinson off of when he was a nose tackle and I wouldn't, I wouldn't even know who the hell Michael Pierce was. So, I mean, <laughs> like, yeah. I I guess, I mean, I guess you'd probably be like, yeah, like, this looks pretty good if I left in 2019 and, like, didn't watch any football and then came back and was like, yeah, like, oh, Daniel Hunter got 50 sacks. That's pretty great. Did he do anything last year? No. Like, I don't know. Like, I think that on paper it looks good. On paper it looks improved because how much worse could it have possibly gotten from last season, right? Like, you know, you got some guy named Cordea Tankersley playing some defensive back position. I don't honestly even know. Curtis like, Riley, what a what a year he had. L- L- Luther Kirk, like I don't even know who that is. I don't. I still don't think he's a real person. But um, I, I just think the way that you look at it is like they have to be markedly improved on defense. But we also said the same thing last year after they let all of these free agents go. Um, and they bring all these players in, or not, they, they bring all these rookies in, and then they keep, you know, they, they sign in Gakwe, and you didn't know about Hunter. I mean, it, it's weird because we're playing the retrospect game here, but it looks, it looked like at that point, what I'm trying to compare it to was, oh, they've only got young corners. They're going to be fine. They've got enough people to, like, insulate the young corners. Well, this year they have depth and they have options, which is something that they just didn't have last year, like legit options, not Cordea, Cordea. Drea Tankersley or whatever the hell the guy's name is or anybody else that I the don't R know. The R is silent. Um, <laughs> I think it's just Cordea, not Crodea or Cor. Is it Cord- Cordrea? I think it's Cordrea. Oh, oh it's Cordrea? Well, I sorry think. to his I mean, family. I thought it was Cordea. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I mean, none, do you, none of this you, matters. Do we even know who he, he looks like? Oh, of course not. No, no, because he didn't arrive here during camp, so I would have seen him then, but do you know what he looks like? Absolutely. There, there not. was a guy who I think's name was like Abdullah Anderson who played in games. <laughs> <laughs> I 
know who half the team was from last year because <laughs> they were signing defensive backs off the street. That's what that's what the whole point of this argument is that like of course they're better than they were last year because they're not at least right now running into that same issue. Um and just like how quickly, I mean, like looking how how much they addressed the secondary and how important that was to them over the last ten or so days since signing officially signing Patrick Peterson. Like, it, can it? To me, it's like it can't get any worse than it was, right? Like, but can you really project that like this defense is going to be that much better? I mean, if you want to take Mike Zimmer at his word for it, then sure, because. He looks, you know, he looked really, you know, pleased at least with the, with the signings. And but when you hear some stuff behind the scenes about how Xavier Woods wasn't even really the guy that they were initially going after, and you know, we don't have a damn clue if Dalvin Tomlinson can play three technique. We really don't. Um, I don't know. Like, I mean, it, it's too early to tell, to be quite honest. Like, we can he can pat himself on the back. You know, the, the you know they did they did a good job in free agency getting allegedly who they wanted. We have zero idea to know if it's going to pan out. And also, the one thing we know, though, is that they left the offensive side of the ball vulnerable. Like, last I checked, you can't do that to be a winning team. No matter how many great signings you can tout defensively, if you don't get it figured out on the offensive side of the ball, or how many great signings you can tout defensively, if you don't, no matter what you do on the offensive side of the ball, if it's not to address, like, some major needs with people that are actually, like, good at fixing the problem that you have in pass protection, it's not going to matter. Okay, so it is Cordrea. You were correct. It's got an R, an, a, another R in there. Two R. Silent R. If you can tell Silent me R. one thing about Abdullah Anderson, I will Venmo you $10. He has a name that's similar to Amir Abdullah. <laughs> no, not really. It's his first versus the last. He um went to Bucknell and played 10 snaps for the Minnesota Vikings last year because I remember – saying very loudly in a silent U.S. Bank Stadium, who is number whatever number he was wearing? Like, oh, 66. <laughs> who is number 66? Like, who is that that's on the field for the Minnesota Vikings, and why do I not know him? Uh, so let me circle back, though, because I think you made my point. I You were in Bosnia, and you didn't see the 2020 season. But with everything you said, you still said, like, well, last year this happened, last year this happened. Um, so maybe you weren't in Bosnia. I don't know. but um, the point is that I think if we hadn't seen what happened last year with Ngakwe and with Harris, that we would give them the benefit of the doubt. And with Daniel Hunter, too, if you didn't know about that situation and you just assumed, oh, he's still on the roster, he'll still be great. And, oh, they've got young corners, so Zimmer will probably teach them to be good at football. And they got this guy from Dallas. Like I, I think that what would make us skeptical and this is fair, is that last year they tried a lot of the same things and it didn't really work. So is it going to be different this year when you're still flying without a parachute at a lot of different positions? Like they have some cornerback depth now. That was really important. But you are a uh, you know broken pinky toe at safety away from Josh Metellus or Abdullah Anderson. Yeah. No, he's a defensive tackle, but maybe. Uh, they love moving positions. Or Cordrea, Cordrea. Cordrea Tankerson. Yeah, and Curtis Riley. So, um, you know, that, that that still feels like the roster from that perspective is very thin and they could still end up in the same situation. I did think it was interesting, though. 
when Zimmer says he was literally downtrodden looking at the roster on defense. I know, he's got I know. nothing here. Like, uh, <laughs> what a what a ringing endorsement of their previous year's drafts uh, that you know just have not produced a whole lot on the defensive side. So they have to mine free agency in order to do it. But the offensive side, it's just impossible not to keep going back to this because they have taken the same approach each year and each year we wonder will you do anything different here and it speaks to the Zimmer doing it his way he's saying our offense is fine we're in a good position but do you believe him when he says best player available will be what they take in the draft because a lot of draft sims end up with some real interesting best players available that are not necessarily pass rushers well I think best player available to him is an edge rusher. So that's what he's saying without saying we're going to take an edge rusher at 14. Like that should scare the absolute crap out of you. If you are a Vikings fan or if you're an offensive coach on this team, like if you don't go draft your left tackle, or if you don't trade up to go get him, and I'm not even talking about needing a quarterback. Cause I still think that there should be an argument to do that too and make an actual splash and do something of real importance. But Oh my God, like the way that he was talking about it today, like if you're just hearing him talk about this today and not getting the perspective of Rick Spielman, who's the general manager and, you know, effectively calling the shots on everything, even though Mike Zimmer hijacked free agency, you're looking at this being like, they may not take an offensive lineman till, uh, I don't know, they don't have a second round pick right now till, till day two at some point. Is Rashad Hill your left tackle? Is, is Dakota Dozier the worst guard in America? going to be back at left guard like if you're if you're looking at that you're like holy bleep like they just don't get it and, and it's not that your defense can be so abundantly better like that it's going to compensate for the nonsense that you that you just have perpetuated with this offensive line by not addressing it on a consistent basis or at least like a good basis where you're not waiting until the sixth or seventh round and going after guys who are not fits and just bad offensive linemen, like you're going to, you're going to be seeing the same story play out expecting different results. I don't understand how you can have that logic and think it's going to be okay. Like right now, if you're anybody on that team in the front office or in the coaching staff, you should be looking at it being like, all right, we got what we needed in defense on, in defense on free on defense and free agency. Let's cool our jets. Let's go find a, a guard. I mean, I know that there have been rumors, you know, on Vikings Twitter about Austin Blythe, uh, what, you know, deciding to sign with, you know, leaving the Rams, deciding to sign with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Like, I don't know how much in play he was here, but I also think that, you know, I tweeted this yesterday. Free agency is a two way street. If the Vikings aren't offering good deals for offensive linemen because they think they can do this on the cheap with like the Mason Coles and Dakota Dozers of the world, you can't fault people for not wanting to come here. But with that said, they are nowhere. They're, they're worse. They're absolutely worse. They were than they were the day that Riley Reef took his last like breath in Minnesota. I mean, still alive. Like, but I don't even know. Like, like the, when Riley Reef exited, I would say when he exited the building, but he wasn't in the building like in March when Riley Reef left for good. When he went on his last fishing trip at his cabin or whatever here sure. in Minnesota. So I, I was looking at, and I like to always kind of go back to this as a reference point for the fact that, you know, the top scoring teams, the top passing teams are the ones that are routinely making the Super Bowl. So when you go with expected points added, which kind of compares situation to performance on pro football reference, uh, the 
top four teams are Tampa Bay, Green Bay, Kansas City, and Buffalo. Those sound familiar because they were in the championship weekend. And the Vikings were 10th, which makes it sound like, oh, well, they were not that far away from that. But uh, the Bills' expected points added from passing was 239 points, and the Vikings was 140. So you're, you're actually like 100 points different in terms of how much value your passing game brought than the Buffalo Bills. So you need to make that up if you're going to have a chance to go really deep in the playoffs uh, because it's just that's just been the trend that every year since 2016, um, so now we're working on like five Super Bowls, it's somebody who's in the top five and expected mm-hmm. points added in passing game. That's what drives you there. And you're not one point better right now. In fact, you are in the negative points than you were before because Mason Cole is not a difference maker. Rashad Hill at his absolute peak of Rashad Hill performance can probably bring you what Riley Reef did, but also probably not because Riley Reef was a first round pick and a $50 million tackle for a reason. We talk about him as, as if he's average, but average is really good. And last year he was above average. So Rashad Hill probably can't bring you that. Uh, in the passing game, Justin Jefferson had a legendary first year. I expect that he'll continue to be good, uh, but Kyle Rudolph was a contributor to the offense. He is now gone. You're hoping that Tyler Conklin can do that job. You're hoping that Herb Smith can take another step forward. Like To add nothing to the most important thing so far, and this is where I don't want to get too judgy on the Dakota Dozier move because that, that is so far, but that says to me you're not a lot closer to really being there and you are closer to doing what we were talking about is going 10 and seven, as opposed to seven and nine, because you improved the defense enough to not be absolutely horrendous. Well, I mean, Zimmer's philosophy is keep teams under 20 points or around 20 points, have a top 15 offense. Like he wants to, he's not changed his philosophy as like the Vikings have adapted over the last couple of years offensively to what the rest of the league is doing, or at least like, you know, attempting to in certain points, they have a long way to go. In my opinion, like you mentioned running on second and 10, but like they, they just haven't like, he, he just, I think he feels that he can win in spite of the offense. Mm -hmm. And if you pour all of your resources, it's like 70, 30, like obviously it's not the way it plays out financially with cousins and, and other things. But like, if you go all in on defense, the defense is elite then how can like, no matter how bad the offense screws up, the defense can get it done. That's how he views it. Like he's a defensive coordinator who is a head coach. That is how he views it, and you can't fault him for it because it's worked in 2015 and 2017 and 2019 when they were you know as good as they were defensively and where they ranked in offensive efficiency. Like that makes sense, but like it doesn't it doesn't excuse the fact that like your offense you're leaving them so vulnerable right now. Like, and if you're going best player available, like, if that's how he really is thinking about the draft strategy, which, you know, that's just an easy way to to get out of saying, oh, well, what you're actually looking for. But, like, best player available could be a safety at 14. And, like, I don't think, honestly, I would not hate that pick. Um, But if you, you just, like, it's almost like neglect at this point. Like, and one note on the Dakota Dozier thing, because I wrote this today, um, because there are a lot of people who are upset about it, and I understand like, it's still March. Like, if this guy's your starting left guard, that's a problem, sure. But, like, he might not be on the roster. Like, they can cut him. There have been plenty of guys that they've brought in in free agency. Uh, I know they do this pretty much every year with wide receivers that 
like they end up cutting before cut down day or on cut down day. So it's not a lock that he's there. Like they're trying to bring guys in for competition. I'm not trying to like toe to team line here whatsoever, but I'm just trying to think of it rationally. Like you can't tell me that any of them honestly think that Dakota Dozier is like an elite guard. Like even the ones who don't believe in pro football focus and advanced metrics and are just about like ball, you know, ball and, and coaching and all this nonsense. Like Dakota Dozier was not good last year. Like he really wasn't. He was a liability. Like coaches see that they watch a lot of they watch a lot of film if they see that so like right now to me it's not a lock at all that he is your left guard but if he ends up being like that's why I'm not like going crazy like just annihilating it right now I think it's fair to point out he was absolutely terrible last year point those numbers out but also realize that there is still time before you know whatever cut down day is this year to make sure that they get it right for them to make sure that they get it right, which is why I think the pressure's on them in the draft. Like I said this months ago on the show that whatever they addressed in free agency, the opposite would have to come during the draft because you probably cannot address both. And they couldn't. Like they just guaranteed with Anthony Barr's restructure like forty one plus million dollars to the defensive side of the ball. They guaranteed like three or four million total to offense. And most of that was to like Rashad Hill. Folks, the football offseason is off and rolling, and SodaStick has you covered with Minnesota sports-themed gear. Some of my favorite football designs that you have to check out include the Chuck Foreman Spin Doctor gear. You can commemorate Randy Moss's disgusting act on a shirt or a hoodie. And if you're old school, check out the Purple People Eaters design as well. Go to SodaStick.com and check them all out. If you use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER, you can get free shipping on all your Minnesota sports-inspired gear. All of their apparel is screen printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. Plus, keep your eyes and ears out for our giveaways going on on this show as well on social media. Follow them at SodaStickCo on Twitter and at SodaStick.com for your original Minnesota sports inspired goods. Code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. You know, what's funny about the PFF numbers and the Vikings when it comes to offensive line is that they always point to a certain thing happening, or almost always, and that's how it plays out. But the team will only go with the numbers after it already happened, if that makes sense. So the numbers would have said, look, starting to code a Dozier for 16 games, not really something you want to do. And they did it. And then when they bring him back, it's for $1 million and no guaranteed money. So they could just cut him for absolutely nothing. So that matches up. The same thing when Tom Compton was starting. It's like, eh, this guy really has never put together a season that you'd be okay with. And so they bring him in, they play him, it's not good, and then they move on from him. So th- like their uh-huh. decisions post- knowing the results after seeing it were very, I mean, it was very predictable what the results would be, but they end up going with the numbers only after it's already happened. If that makes sense. I'm sorry if that's like confusing, but a lot of times we could just look at the numbers and say, well, this is probably what's going to transpire here. If you start, you know, an older Josh Klein who wasn't very good with Tennessee and he wasn't great here with Mike Remmers at guard. Like this is what's probably going to happen. Pat Elfline at guard. This is what's probably going to happen. And then later they go, okay, I guess we got to move him, or I guess we got to cut him, or I guess we've got to bring him back for only 1 million bucks. And that's where I always wonder, like, did, did you guys think that you need, like you need to do it this way um, and leave other guys out on the market who probably would have been better. And to speak to your point, 
there are still guys on the market who are better. Chris Reed, in terms of uh, pass blocking efficiency, was ninth last year. Dakota Dozier was 60th. It's a pretty big gap that you could maybe improve at that position without getting a great like superstar player. So there still will be opportunities. But I also caution a little bit about if they draft a player and throw him right in there, especially if he's out of position, if he's going to be a huge game changer right away. There's also that part. Like if you go all the way through the rest of this free agency and don't bring in anyone else in the offensive line, I, I think that you are still playing with fire, even if you spend your first round pick on offensive line. Yeah. I mean, and they have the money to do it. I know there are going to be some people who argue, well, they just spent a million dollars on Dakota Dozier. Well, go read the contract language. Like that's not going to affect your cap that much. Like, you can move things around. Like, he's not make or break. I just think it frustrates people that the worst player on the offense was brought back. I think that's honestly yep. what it is. That yep. it's like there's no, con- there's no consequence. But yes, and there's no consequence, at least right now, for crappy play, which honestly, I mean, it kind of shows you, I guess, just like the margin of like what separates like there must be like more really, really, really bad players out there than the ones that are serviceable. I guess in their mind, Dakota Dozier's serviceable, but – you're not going to get any better if you don't – like, I think that they still have one more move in them in free agency to get a guard. Um, and potentially, if you want to move on uh, in free – if you want to move up or if you want to stay at 14, you can get your tackle. It's going to be a weird mix with this offensive line that we still don't even know. Like, I know Mike Zimmer said that today, Ezra Cleveland's a guard. Is he a guard in camp? Is he a left tackle? Is he the right tackle because you moved Brian O'Neill over to the left side? Like, that's, I'm honestly kind of excited for that. But then again, it's like, right now, signs are pointing to, like, if, if it starts, somebody asked me, it's like, what's the depth chart? I'm like, don't predict a depth chart right now because Rashad Hill shouldn't be your starting left tackle. Like, don't, you know, neither should Mason Cole or Dakota Dozier be factored into any of your starting plans. But, like, I get, like, the need for wanting to do that because it's like, all right, well, it doesn't look like they're going to be able to do much more, but there are still ways that they can address it. Um, you know, there's still a lot of guards out there. It's not a deep guard class just from, from like, the um, from the draft perspective, but there are still guards in free agency that would make sense. And still some receivers, too, and someday we yeah. will get, we'll get our non-Tajay Sharp-level uh, receiver in free agency at some point. So do you have anything else that stuck out to you that you wanted to mention before we do a quick draft sim before wrapping up? Well, um, you know, I just think that like what, what Zim was talking about with, you know, the the stuff that they want to do in terms of like defensive scheme change and adapting to offenses. Like it's just kind of amazing to me is he's gone the completely opposite direction. Stan Pat with defense. And it's like, as everybody else is evolving and changing, you say you're evolving and changing to them. Like, you know, offenses are always going to jump out first and create the change. The defense is then going to have to adjust to like, obviously you're a defensive guy, but the smart money would be adapting on defense and adapting on offense. I don't know why it has to be one or the other. It's almost like def- Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. 
Priceline. In my opinion. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about our friends at Scout Logistics, and I really do mean it when I say friends. They are fans of Purple Insider over at Scout Logistics, and since they reached out wanting to support this show, I want to tell you about what they do. Scout Logistics is just-in-time transportation for full tractor-trailer loads, and if you're wondering what that means exactly... Well, if you own or work for a company that needs shipping solutions, they are the preferred carrier of Fortune 500 companies across North America, and we have quite a few of those in Minnesota, right? They can ship perishable, non-perishable, FTL or LTL, and they have on-time delivery rate of over 99%. So, if you're like them and you enjoy the show and you have shipping needs, check out scoutlogistics.com or call 855 217-2688 extension 232 to connect with them directly to find out how Scout Logistics can minimize risk and overperform and go the extra mile for your company. It feels that way sometimes. It also feels like a basketball coach who would really, really focus on rebounding when rebounding isn't really the thing that's driving success in the NBA now. It's not that rebounding is bad. Rebounding is great, and it gives you extra possessions and so forth. It's just not the thing that teams are winning with anymore, whereas the 1994 New York Knicks would have won with rebounding. So they had a lineup out there that didn't shoot hardly any threes. It just had big rebounders. Um, so that's that's kind of how it feels to me. And it's sort of like that that meme of, like, bold strategy. Let's see how it plays out. And that's what our jobs are. Uh, so let's do a quick draft sim here. And no surprise to me, because this happens a lot with the simulator, Mac Jones is on the board for the Vikings. I don't know if that's actually going to happen. But Mac he Jones... Wasn't when I, he wasn't when I picked it. Okay, he wasn't. All right. I think that they trade back in that situation, if Mac Jones is on the board. I don't think they take him. I think they trade back. Oh, that would be an absolute disaster. Like if they if they trade back and he's there cuz he's what the fifth quarterback expected off the board. Yep. Like you maybe. know maybe. Who do you I mean, think? You know, well, you just never know the order. Like the the Trey Lance hype might not be as real as we think it is. I don't know. Fair. But I don't know. I mean, like if they don't if he's there and they don't take him, I think that's a mistake. I really do. And I think that there's going to be a lot of irritated people cuz you know they'll trade back to like 20 or wherever the bears are drafting, they'll let the bears go get him and then they'll get like their second round pick. They'll get a late first. They'll get whatever. I don't know. I mean, it is realistic what you're saying. I'm not saying I agree with it though, but yeah, I mean, if he's, they've got to take a quarterback this draft and they've got to do it on day one or day two. Otherwise it's not going to matter. Yeah. There's no point in taking the Nate Stanley. Sorry again to someone else's family, but like, there's just no point like that guy's the Tom Brady thing happened once and it almost, hasn't happened since like what Tony Romo was undrafted Tyrod Taylor was Mm -hmm. a sixth that's like it for the entire history of since Tom Brady so I traded back in my draft sim here and on the board is an interesting combination of players Uh, Jason Owe is the guy who I'm sure the Vikings had to be salivating over because of his outrageous uh, pro day where he ran a sub 4-4 Quiddy Pay is still on my board here that's an interesting one Jalen Phillips is still on my board I think Jalen Phillips could be a guy who they're really attracted to, even despite his injury history, because he, I think, is the most developed pass rusher who could help right away. So I think trading back and taking Jalen Phillips is a really realistic potential scenario for the Vikings. So that's what I'm doing here in the first round. Okay. Well, 
my my approach was going into this that I'm going to not overthink this. I'm not going to I'm not going to try to move around at least not yet. I'm going to see what comes to me and I'm not going to overthink it. So Rashawn Slater was available at 14. I know that Mel Kuyper said mm. that he will not be there at 14. Um, that if you want one of the top two tackles in Panay Sewell or Slater, you've got to be in the top 10. I could absolutely see that happening, but he was available. So you know what I did? I didn't overthink it. I didn't you think, did it. I didn't try to get too clever and be like, how can I get a second round pick out of this? How can I move back in the first round? Like how many more picks can I, can I, you know, pick up? Like I didn't, I didn't try to get cute with it because honestly, I feel like that's what sometimes they do. So I took Rashawn Slater. I'm going to put him at left tackle. And I'm going to forget about him for the next 10 years. And when he's ready to retire, I'm going to buy him a cake. <laughs> Thank you, Rashawn, uh, on his cake from Hy-Vee. Uh So I went into the second round. I mean, I think that your scenario is also very likely to, that they could just decide. Is it though? I'm going to go with yes, because, well, okay. Now I'm I don't know. You, know. you know, you know who's calling the picks here. And I mean, it's just like, or they're calling the shots. Like, it makes too much sense, and they overcomplicate things that make too much sense sometimes. So would Zimmer say, hey, you've drafted a second-round, first-round, and second-round offensive lineman in the last three years. We still need more defense. Yeah, I could hear that. I could hear that being if said. Quitty, if Quiddy pays right there mm-hmm. at 14 and he's, and he's thinking, man, that pass rush, I need somebody opposite Daniil, yeah, I could absolutely see that. I also think that they're going to look at some of these guys and say, that guy's just like blank, like Quiddy Pay. That guy's just like Everson Griffin. That guy's yeah. Jason Owe. That guy's just like Daniel Hunter. They've done that a lot with like fourth rounders that don't work out. But with someone like Quiddy Pay, he has an Everson Griffin-like profile that they might really like. Um, in the, in the third round. So I traded down, I got an extra third. I wasn't able to get in the second, but I got a third. So I took Jameen mm-hmm. Davis cause I saw his pro day and oh my God. Uh, I think he had like a 40 something inch vertical, which I know is definitely football, but I mean, for a linebacker to run whatever it was four four with a 40 inch vertical and you, I think need a future linebacker, but this was kind of one of those, he can help a little bit right now and then a lot in the future. And then I took Kendrick Green, the offensive lineman from Illinois, which I think is yep. sort of earmarked for the Vikings. And Milton Williams, another guy who had an amazing pro day and good production at Louisiana Tech. So he's a defensive lineman. It's like he's, they're not sure if he's a defensive end or a defensive tackle, but he's just a, a pass rusher. So that, that, was okay. how, that was how mine turned out. Okay, so this is, since I stayed pat, st- stood pat at like my, you know, 14, 78, 90, I actually took Green at 78, which might be a little bit of an overdraft. Um, he's a third-round talent, but he probably fits more of a power gap scheme, which, you know, I'm looking at versatility, though. I'm looking at somebody who can play multiple spots because we don't know where Ezra Cleveland's going. Like, do you want to keep him at guard? Like, is right guard the right spot? I don't know. So, like, I've got my left tackle. And right now I've got Green who can play both spots, both right or left guard. I'm I I probably overdrafted, but at least I addressed the offensive line, which kind of is crazy. You think about starting two rookies on the most the, you know vulnerable side of your offensive line, anyways. But whatever, YOLO. Um, and then <laughs> with my second third round pick, I actually took Jamar Johnson, safety from Indiana. You know why? Because they never draft safeties before yeah. day three, before late in day three. Yep. So. I do think Xavier Woods will be better than he was in Dallas. I do. I think that I think Mike Nolan deserves a lot of blame for what happened with that defense last Agreed. year. Um, and I think that Woods, he's you know got he's playing for his safeties coach that he had at LaTeX, somebody who knew him really well. 
He, if they don't play him up in the box, because I don't know, it's where Harrison Smith played. He played a ton up there last year. He's not bad. He's a deep safety. Like, you know, let him, you know, let him play free opposite Harrison Smith and he'll be fine. But still, I want that succession plan in place. Not just succession. I want depth back there because think about like how creative Mike Zimmer. He, did you not hear him today when he was talking about experimenting with more defensive backs? Mm-hmm. I'm not good, saying good they're going to all of a sudden be. I'm not saying all of a sudden they're going to be playing dime every single snap, but like, I mean, there's a bunch of different things that you can do in nickel packages. Think about the time that they used Anderson Deho in the slot in New Orleans um, a couple years ago. Like, and think about all the cornerback injuries that they had last year. Like, there's ways to get creative about what you're doing at that position in the, with your defensive backfield. So I figure, okay, why not? So let's just address it now. And, of course, now it, it leaves me exposed with not having a defensive end. But, you know, you can get a day three defensive end. I mean, they seem to like D.J. Wanham. Can you find another one? Maybe. Um, you're not going to find another Daniil Hunter. Those, those just don't come mm-hmm. late in the third round or in the fourth round. Like, wherever you think you could find something like that, it's not going to happen. But um, I think that though I, I needed to go offense heavy there. And now I'm kind of like, okay, well, I didn't get a quarterback. Now I'm a little angry about it. But I think that getting a safety, like, I just wanted to do something that was completely different than they typically do because I think it's a very big position of need still. I agree. I agree. Having the no backups basically there at this moment. Um, what's Brian Cole doing? The guy they drafted in the seventh round last year cut before the end of training yeah. camp. Yeah, I got cut like the – the third week of training camp, what did he do? That is hard to do. I can't, when they have I can't even make it. They have a whole day yeah. dedicated to cutting you, and yet you got cut before that. You must have really done something. Uh, I don't know. But I think we need more answers with the remainder of free agency before we can really be sure how the rest of this thing plays out. Offensive line and defensive line now are way up at the top of the list than everything else after that. But in the second, if there is a second, third rounds – that's where I'm I'm really not sure where to go just yet. So, Courtney, great stuff. This was really fun, as always. And uh, we'll do it again soon. And I didn't know that you also liked Shit's Creek, so I'm glad you do. Loved it. I, I, I binged it when Minnesota went back to our pseudo-shutdown in November. Mm. I watched all five seasons, I believe it was, in like a span of a month and a half. I'm obsessed with it. That's exactly what I've been doing. So, no spoilers. I'm in, like, season four, I think. So, it's good. It's really good. So, all right. Well, we'll do this again soon, and hopefully we'll have more news the next time we talk.